Welcome to the 125th episode of the Young Terps Podcast from the Viner 48 Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And we apologize for the audio quality on this episode. We've actually been trying to record now for a while, but we've run into some mic issues, so we're back to the old way, sadly, on voice memos, because we got to get an episode out because it is Beat Penn State Week. But as always here on the podcast, we will start it off with the Terrapin Rundown. But before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or sending up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsman Round and serving the entire DMV today, contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, kick us off with the Terrapin Rundown. Well, to start things off on the non-rep report this morning, uh, men's soccer has gone 2-1 since we last spoke with 1-0 victories over a pair of Philadelphia schools in Villanova and St. John's. The team also entered Big Ten play with a 3-1 loss against Northwestern last Friday. Uh, this week, the Terps will travel to Wisconsin on Friday. Yeah, that game against Wisconsin's always been a great one for Maryland over these past few years. That St. John's team that they beat was ranked number nine in the country, so that was a huge win for the Terps. Um, pushing on to field hockey, the field hockey team defeated Penn State 3-1 to last week to kick off Big Ten play, and they beat number 10 Princeton today 4-3 to in College Park. Uh, field hockey goalie uh, sorry, Noel Frost was named National Field Hockey Coaches Association Defensive Player of the Week last week. So field hockey is doing field hockey things. Yeah, she's been making a ton of saves this year. Obviously, two big wins over ranked opponents for the field hockey squad. And the number four Terps keep rolling. On to women's soccer, who went 1-1 in a pair of home matches to start Big Ten play. The Lady Terps lost to Wisconsin 3-0, then took down Minnesota 2-0, and they will travel up north to face Rutgers on Saturday. And finally, volleyball went two and one at the Gamecock Invitational. Maryland barely lost to host South Carolina two to three before sweeping Kennesaw State and Appalachian State three nothing. Uh, the Terps enter Big Ten play hosting Ohio State tomorrow at seven p.m. That game will air on BTN. I think that's good. I'm not sure though. Uh, yeah, it's great to see them on TV. A lot of people get a look for them, and if you're a Maryland student, you can get a free. Uh, Maryland scrunchie if you're the first uh, 100 fans into the game. Always good promotion. Um, I guess on the non-rev side, in the Premier Lacrosse League, the Whip Snakes, packed with Terps, won the first ever Premier Lacrosse League championship. And I heard they won in very dramatic fashion, Mason. Yeah, what a game. What a great event. Huge crowd at Talent Energy Stadium for this one. Matt Rambo, after the Whip Snakes, or the Whip Terps, whatever you want to call them, lost a 7-1 to lead or seven-goal lead, rather, in the second half. Matt Rambo scores with seconds left on the clock to tie the game up and send it to overtime, and then finishes off with his own game-winning goal. On the other side for the Redwoods, they have one Terp, Joe Walters, who was the one that gave the Redwoods the lead. So huge day out there for all the Terps, but ultimately the team with the more Terps takes home the ship. As it should be, I suppose. Um, Pushing right along here, Maryland basketball announced a slate of preseason events to build into the coming season for both the men and the women. The men's basketball team will be signing autographs before the football game 
this Friday against Penn State from 6.30 to 7.15 on the West Concourse of Capital One Field at Maryland Stadium. Um, also among the events scheduled is the second Midnight Mile, which may return last year, last year's edition of the Midnight Mile. So over 500 students joined the men's team on, in a mile run around the Kenoe track as the clock struck midnight to commence the start of the 2019 season. Um, there's more events here. You want to get some more, Mason? Yeah, and of course, the Midnight Mile is open to all Maryland fans. Only students can run with the team, though. Uh, I believe the first 500 students receive a T-shirt. And interestingly enough, this is more on the negative side, though, there will be no uh, Midnight Madness game this year. They are canceling that. There's no more. Uh, I guess that sucks, but, like, I don't know. It, it seemed like not a lot of people went anymore. It kind of lost its luster the last... 10 years or so. Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of expecting this to happen. I did not think that it was really that re- relevant anymore. Uh, let's talk some Terps in the pros on the football side in the NFL. Uh, let's kick it off with our Terp of the Week, who is Darnell Savage of the Green Bay Packers. The rookie had his first interception in a NFL game against the Denver Broncos, along with five tackles, and played on 100% of the defensive snaps. Yeah, Darnell Savage is off to a great start this season. Um, it's part of that Packers defense, which has changed so much and helped push the team to three and zero. And he's really, he's really earned the starting spot. I think he's personally, at least from what I've seen, one of the better rookies this season in a kind of lackluster class. Um, also of note, not a great week for Terps overall. Quentin Jefferson, two tackles, seventy four percent of the snaps. Seems to have finally earned the starting role in the NFL, which is good for him because it's a contract year as well. Vernon Davis of the Redskins, two catches for 30 yards. He made a bit of a meme with um, attempting to hurdle yep. a Bears player, but the uh, Prince Mukamara, but Mukamara backed off and Davis just kind of fell at the ground. Uh, DJ Moore, one catch, 52 yards, touchdown. I don't know how to rate that performance, really. Hey, he made a big play. I mean, Kyle Allen, actually, interestingly enough, a guy who many college football fans heard of who transferred from Texas A&M to, uh, I believe it's SMU, now the starter in Carolina, putting on a big show against um, the Cardinals. Well, only the starter, starter until Cam Newton gets healthy again, which might take a while because he really struggled to start the season off. You know, that would be an interesting thing. If he keeps it going like he did, I don't think Cam Newton's getting his job back this season. Oh, maybe not. There was talk over the off season of Cam Newton maybe setting the season out to recover. He clearly was not has not been healthy, so I don't know what's going on there. But that is not this podcast topic. Yeah, moving down the list, Stefan Diggs only three catches for fifteen yards. Did the Vikings win? They did, but Stefan Diggs only has a little bit over a hundred yards this season through three games. He seems to be off to a little bit of a slow start, which is odd because the Vikings' offense is actually doing pretty well this season. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe in the Jags' first win of the season, 80% of snaps, four tackles. J.C. Jackson, no stats, but he played in 63% of the snaps. Uh, Ty Johnson saw his first uh, regular season NFL action with four carries for five yards and a few catches. And then we get to the DNPs, which are Jermaine Carter, Byron Cowart, Sean Davis still on the IR, Josh Woods in for the Bears was a DNP against the Redskins, and Darius Kilgo in Detroit still on the IR. Not a great week, but uh, Darnell Savage obviously takes it home with the Terp of the Week. 
Uh, yeah, just a quick correction. Ty Johnson actually played last week as well. Um, he got, I believe, six carries for 30 yards last week, um, which is good. So I think we talked about this before, but um, the Lions cut C.J. Anderson, which means Ty Johnson is now the second-string running back behind, behind carry-on Johnson, the different Johnson from Auburn, who the Lions drafted last season. Which is good, because I drafted him as the last pick of the fantasy draft in one of my leagues, and I'm hoping that he breaks out, because I... Dude, Ty him. Johnson? I drafted Ty Johnson. That, that's a bold move. Hey, I drafted Terry McLaurin for the Redskins, and that worked out super well. Yeah, yeah, it did. Some Maryland football news before we get started talking Penn State. Uh, the Terps earned a commitment from defensive tackle Trey Smith uh, from Frostburg. He held offers from Syracuse and Temple. He is the 16th member of the 2020 class for Maryland football and the 6th from Maryland after the decommitment from a guest here on the podcast, Jordan Mitchell, who we wish the best in finding what he's looking for in football. Yeah, it's about where Jordan Mitchell is out, but yeah, uh, if he feels a straight move for him, I guess we'll trust his judgment on that. Trey Smith... I heard some comparisons to Ty Johnson just in that he's from the more rural part of Maryland and they get a lot of attention. He might just be under-recruited. But we have a lot of defensive linemen in this class, so it'll be interesting to see which ones actually stand well, Yeah, but out. they don't have any depth right now on the team, though. They have very little. I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that it'll be interesting to see which ones actually stand out once we get a couple years down the line. Yeah, I think that uh, Coach Loxie's doing a good job of finding – you know, not necessarily going after the stars, but going after talent, as he said he would. Uh, the Terps will play Rutgers next Saturday, and that will kick off at noon, of course, on BTN. Maryland announces a home and home series with UConn, so hopefully Randy Etzel will still be there, so we can give him a little payback. Uh, the games will be played in 2024 at Maryland and in 2026 in Hartford. Yeah. Um, why? Someone please explain to me why we're doing this. Because UConn's a notable team, and they're not very good. Notable to who? UConn is maybe the worst team in the FBS this season. But they're a notable name, with alumni in our area. I, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I'm just very unhappy with this game. I'm hope, I really want us to play better teams. That's that's become a pet peeve of mine for the last two years that we don't play in many. They played Texas. Yeah, we played Texas, but if you look ahead in the schedule, we don't play anybody that like gets really. They play Virginia Tech in Virginia. In like twenty twenty eight. They play West Virginia next year, don't they? Yeah, that's the one that still gets me going a little bit. They also had SMU pretty recently for twenty twenty two, I think, at College Park. That should be fun. So there are some teams on there. I mean, they're not like they're playing. I was going to say Temple, but Temple keeps beating them. It's not like they're playing Towson and uh, Howard every week. They are playing Towson next year, though. You know what? I like that game, though. If you're going to play an FCS team, it might just well be one that has some connection. I guess. Um, Towson has been pretty good this season, so maybe... I don't know. There's always a few FCS teams that gives um, Power 5 teams a run for their money. Last year, you know, it was Northern Iowa almost beat Iowa State early this season. So, I don't know. I'm waiting for one of these FCS teams to really give us a scare. Well, there was the William & Mary game. But let's continue on. Uh, Ralph Friedgen will be honored at halftime of the Maryland-Penn State game. The team's been releasing great Ralph content 
all week on Twitter. Check that out if you haven't. Torrey Smith will also, I'm pretty sure, is going to be honored after his NFL retirement, but he will be in attendance to the Terps-Penn State game. Uh, some disappointing injury news out of Maryland football. Terrence Davis out four to six weeks with a sprained MCL. And Jake Funk, our guy, special teams hero, is out for the season with a torn ACL, which actually upset me. It didn't just make me like, oh, Maryland football is taking a hit. Jake Funk, he just plays so hard and so well. Every time he gets the ball, it's just you can see the effort. He makes huge plays on special teams. Really not the guy that I wanted to see go down for the Terps. No, Jake Funk, well, I mean, you said he's been our guy since he got to College Park. He played at Damascus, which is like, 25, 30 minutes from where we live. He was such so much fun to watch Montgomery County football when we were in high school. And it really sucks that he's out for the season. It, you're right, he tries so hard. He played so hard. He played well this season, especially on special teams. And Well, I believe he was the only guy that was a captain in every game this season. That is very possible. I'm not sure, but I know he was the captain at least two. Um, but... As much as that does suck and it will affect the team, Terrence Davis being out for four or six weeks with the sprained MCL is a real shot, actually, I think. Yeah, and uh, it looks like Ellis McKinney, the utility man, will be stepping in to uh, Terrence Davis's spot on the line. A big hit, but Terrence Davis was not looking very well, good in that Temple game. So it might be, while it is a huge hit, uh, I don't, every once in a while, you just don't see it out of Terrence Davis. So it might not be as big a hit as everyone's saying. Uh, it, now, if you take another injury, then then you're really down. I suppose that's true. Terrence Davis was never, or hasn't at least yet, achieved the potential that we thought he had. And Ellis McKinney, at least, this is one of those at least, it's not as bad as it could be. I think he's a more natural fit at guard than he is at tackle, so hopefully it's not that big a drop-off. But yeah, now if someone else gets hurt, especially at the tackle spot, you are really up freak with that paddle, because we, yeah, we've been saying it all off-season, everybody has. Alex McKinney is the only depth this line has, so now you're using your primary depth guy, and you don't really have anybody else behind him. Yeah, and without that, let's, I mean, without further ado, let's talk about this Penn State game. The Nittany Lions come in number 12 in the country at 3-0 on the season, just off a 17-10 win against the Pittsburgh Panthers, and then a bye week just like Maryland, and now they are prepared for Friday Night Lights in College Park. Jordan, your initial thoughts about Penn State? Um, this is setting myself up to fail in a big way, but my first thought really is overrated. I don't think Penn State is the 12th best team in America. They have definitely shown flashes of being that elite team that a lot of people think they could be, especially in Idaho the first game of the season when they scored 79 points. But, like, we beat Howard by 79 points, and Idaho's an FCS team as well. They beat Buffalo 45-13, to all right? But, this but that game, Buffalo game, hold on, that Buffalo game, I believe, was like 13-10 to at halftime. Yeah, it was. It was something fairly close to, at halftime. Uh, this Pitt game, they beat. They won seventeen to ten, but then Pitt beat UCF. Uh, so you don't know how good Pitt actually might be. They might be better than what we thought they were. But regardless, 
they really almost lost the game to Penn State. I mean, sorry, they almost lost the game to Pitt. Look, they have flashes. They score 47 points a game right now. They have 18 total touchdowns. They have shown flashes of being really good, but something about them just does not seem like they are as good as Penn State teams in the past, where they had Trace McCrowley and Saquon Barkley. Yep. They seem to be lacking that offensive pop that we've seen from them in the last few years. Yeah, that's what I was really going to hit on, is if you look at the last, I don't know, like three or four years of Penn State football, there's an obvious drop-off. We saw Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley and Mike Gusecki. And then Saquon Barkley went to the NFL. And Penn State was immediately looking worse with just Trace McSorley. Sure, they won a lot of games last year. Their season didn't necessarily end the way they wanted to with that loss against Kentucky that had people screaming to fire James Franklin after what I believe was a 9-win year. Uh, now they are without McSorley. They have this new guy, Sean Clifford who everyone was hyping up so much before the season. But when you look at it, that first half of that Buffalo game was terrible. His first, his whole game against Pitt wasn't great. And then, I mean, you can almost throw that Iowa game, I mean, Idaho game out, just like people like to throw that Maryland Howard game out. The one thing that you haven't seen from Clifford, though, is that he doesn't throw interceptions. I mean, he's 44 for 75 on the season, 781 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. So... I really think what Maryland's going to have to do is they're going to have to really get in his face and force him to make plays. You cannot let Penn State run the ball, even though their leading rusher only has 175 yards on the season. Yeah, and even last year they had Miles Sanders, who's playing for the Eagles now. They are a good running back school recently, but this year, if you look at their running attack, it's really spread out. It's not bad by any stretch. They almost have 600 yards over three games, which is almost 200 yards a game, but they have three rushers over 100 yards. They have Journey Brown, Devin Ford, and then Sean Clifford, the quarterback. They all have over 100 yards. I don't like when Maryland plays scrambling quarterbacks. I still don't. And Sean Clifford definitely has that ability. He ripped off a 58-yard rush early this season. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet, but I'm sure he could. He has the speed for it. And Maryland's pass rush, despite adding counter to Shaq Smith, did not look very promising against Temple. And you're right, we need to get to the face of the quarterback in this game, and I'm worried we're not going to be able to do that. I think they will. I think they're going to start pulling out every trick they have in the book for this game. Uh, other notable notes off the Penn State offense, they've given up six sacks on the year. I mean, we just heard about the teams they've played, not not the best, so still struggling up front. The Nittany Lions are. And another guy that you really have to focus on has to be K.J. Hamler, the leading re- receiver for Penn State, obviously a known explosive player. Uh, he returns the kicks. He did get injured against Pitt. He's known to run the ball, catch the ball, return the ball. He showed some stuff on Diggs like flashes, but this year they really only handed him the ball once in the rushing game. He ran the ball for for 16 yards. I don't like him if he goes up against Tino Ellis, so that's, that's, my, that's my spot. I, I really do not like... Tino Ellis against K.J. Hamler. And if you have to narrow down this Penn State offense to one single word, it'd probably be young. They are mostly built off freshmen and sophomores, I believe. I saw a stat earlier this week, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's something like eight of the team's 12 starters on offense, or sorry, 11 starters on offense are freshmen and sophomores. And that's really apparent. They lost a lot of talent to the draft last year. They lost three of their offensive linemen to the NFL draft. 
they're just young, but so far they have not shown it really. I don't think they look pretty good, but I just don't think they look as appetizing as they maybe they did last season. If you had to pick one weakness, weakness it'd still be the offensive line, in my opinion, and we have to be able to rush the quarterback. Yeah, really quick, I'm going to hit on the Penn State kicking game, though, where they have an obvious advantage with this guy, Jake Pinger, who hit a 57-yarder last week. Or never mind, Jordan Stout. So they have two kickers. They have Jake Pinger, who kicks uh, short-range field goals, who is 3-for-3 uh, three three on the season. And they then they have their long-range kicker and kickoff specialist, Jordan Stout, who nailed a 57-yarder to end the first half against Pitt last week. That is impressive. I believe uh, the last time I've heard about a kicker in college hitting a kick that long was Brad Craddock against Ohio State. Well, allegedly, according to Mike Loxley, Joseph Petrino is healthy after getting two weeks to recover from his groin injury against Temple. He needs to be healthy for us to have a chance to win this game. Um, I had another point. I can't remember what it was. Oh, yeah. Um, I just don't see this Penn State offense being as explosive as it did. You have to go to rush the quarterback. That's their weakness. If you want to compete in the Big Ten, like we've said, we could maybe do this season, maybe give at least Michigan, who seems to be a little weak, a run for their money, get maybe earn a second or third place spot in the Big Ten East. You need to be able to win games like this. Penn State, I'd actually say, is the weakest of the Big Ten East traditional powers. Uh, that's How are you going to say that after what Michigan's been showing these past two weeks? I was going to say, and, and Michigan State as well. Well, Michigan State's been looking a little bit better. I mean, that Arizona State game, they should have probably won. I mean, it was an absolute referee mess on that field goal that they kicked and then won the game and then kicked and missed. But apparently, when they kicked and missed it in the Michigan State game, they should have been able to kick it again because there was a flag on the play. But, yeah, no one's looking too great other than Ohio State right now. So, I think this is a year that you can make a play. to make. I don't think we're beating Ohio State. But... You can make a play to maybe move up a little bit in totem pole and build some momentum. And you have to, to win games like this. Penn State, I again, I don't think is really that good. I could be wrong. It's still early in the season. But they do have a lot of things on paper that you can point out to as weaknesses. Yeah. At least on the offensive side. We haven't gotten defense yet. You have to, to rush the passer in order for that to work. You have to, to cover the receivers downfield, which Tina Moss has struggled with, and that could be our undoing. But... You have to be able to win games like this. That's really what's up. Yeah, let's talk about the Penn State defense. Uh, their strength is what it looks like early on this season. There are some uh, familiar names, especially Tyree Castro-Fields, who was a guy that was, I think he might have been committed to Maryland or it was between Maryland and Penn State. But a strong pass rush from the Nittany Lions, who have already thrown up 11 sacks on the season. They were getting after it against Pitt, a game that I really watched a good amount of. They were really uh, chasing down the the Panthers running quarterback. It might be a long day for Josh in the pocket, like just like that Temple game. You got to keep him upright. Uh, you're looking at a defense that really hasn't played that much great offensive competition. I really think when you're talking about Pitt, everyone's going to say, "Well, they beat UCF the week after they beat Penn State." I think the Penn State game was an awakening for their offense. They made some big plays in that game. They competed, and I think it really brought a lot of confidence to that Pitt team who got blown out by Virginia in Week 1. And then they really stepped it up against UCF. They pulled off that play. Uh, I believe it's called the Pitt Special, Jordan, isn't it? Yeah, but it was, it was the Philly Special that everybody talks about from the Super Bowl 52 on. Um, yeah, they looked good. 
Pitt did at least, but they did not look great against Penn State's defense. Penn State's defense is legit. Yeah. At least that's what it looked like. Last year they led the FBS in sacks per game. This year they're not, like you said, they're looking pretty good again with 11 sacks over three games. They Their star player is Yuter, sorry, Yuter Gross Manos, who had eight sacks last season, 20 tackles for a loss. And this year he's already off two, three and a half sacks. He looked great. Their pass rush is a strength to this team. Their defensive coordinator, Brett Pryor, loves to bring pressure, and he has a team to do it. This is an area that Penn State can really expose us. Yeah, but when you look at Maryland, I mean, you could say the same thing. The Terps have 13 sacks already on the season, and they're a team that really likes to, or they have a defensive coordinator that really likes to send it and bring the heat. I can honestly see this game being very low scoring, like in the range of 24 to 17 somebody. The line right now, it started off at 8, it's down to 6.5, still favoring the Nanny Lions over the Terps. I can't see this game getting too high scoring, honestly, the way both these defenses are playing. But again, they're both liable to give up the big play. Pitt had a few big plays against Penn State. Obviously, Temple pretty much beat Maryland with two big plays on offense. Yeah, and if you had to pick a defensive weakness for Penn State, which I don't think you really should because they're pretty solid. But if you had to pick one, you'd say it's a secondary. They don't have as much experience there. Really, you don't touch a secondary because the rest of their team is solid, so solid defensively. Their pass rush is good. Their linebacking core has two former five stars, both of which have looked really good. You have to, If you had to pick one, you'd say you'd attack secondary. So, yeah, I could see a game, like you said, that's very slow and a bit of a churn, but occasionally we'll have a big play breakout here and there. That sounds like what could happen here. Um, before we get into what we think the trip should do and the prediction for this game, I think that it's still worth talking about. Nationally, people are still talking about this game as a really high potential upset. And I thought that would go away a little bit after Maryland was kind of embarrassed against Temple. But no, people are still really excited for this game on the national scale. They think this could be a big upset. Yeah, uh, I'm not surprised by that. Maryland's shown a lot. They beat the pants off of Syracuse, who, whether they are good or not, which I really don't think they are, people really thought, you know, they thought that was going to be a team. They thought Syracuse was really high a lot. And a lot of people that don't really follow college football that much during the regular season see um, Maryland beat this uh, number 21-ranked team in the country and then see Maryland in the poll and then see Maryland against Penn State after they... Uh, slipped up against Temple, they're still thinking that um, Maryland's got it in them. And I, so do I, honestly. I think that Temple game was an absolute embarrassment. I think that... I just think that Maryland, from a national perspective, kind of made their name. Because early in the season, you have such an ability to do so that they were really able to produce in those first two weeks, just like when they beat Texas. Like, think about if Maryland beat that Texas team and didn't have the Jordan McNair thing, and they or they didn't have the quarterback injury. So there are your two years. People would be high on Maryland like they are right now, even if they lost those games to, you know, Temple. They would still be saying, oh, this Maryland team is still dangerous. They can still do a lot. I'm really high on Maryland going into this game. I think the crowd's going to be great. I'm looking at the UM Turfs map right now. I believe they're only, what is there, uh, one, two, three, four, five. There's only six tickets left in the building from Maryland. Somebody please sweep through and, like, uh, 
maybe if we can find six people just to buy one more ticket and, you know, put it up on StubHub, we can get a true sellout uh, this week. And it's going to be a great environment, and I'm I'm really hyped to see it. I'm going home uh, on Friday, going to go up to the game and just come back down here to Florida the day after. Hopefully this time I'll make it to the game, Jordan, so you don't have to appear out of nowhere from North Dakota. Hope so. Um, I, I'm curious and very nervous to see the crowds flip for this game. Um, we do as, um, I don't think we've actually reported the podcast yet. It's going to be blackout, uh, at bird, sorry, Maryland stadium. Um, and the Penn state boards immediately said they're making sure that if Penn state fans wear blue, it blends in. I actually don't totally disagree with that. Strategy. Well, Maryland's pulled that off in football. Hold on. I didn't mean to interrupt you like that. Maryland's pulled that off in football so many times. Michigan state, they always do a blackout because Michigan state wears dark green. Ohio state, they did a red out. And Penn State, they're trying this blackout thing with a man with the blue. How do you do that? Hold on. Do Penn State fans wear blue to their football games, or do they, they wear, wear white, white to their football games, people? Come on, let's think. Um, I've heard that there is some, like, surprise that Maryland's going to be handing out to the fans that it's going to be white to mix the colors. Like, it's going to be a blackout, but they're going to have, like, white rally towels or something. I read that somewhere. Um... Yeah, but the bleachers are in there, the extra bleachers for the students. I am, like, this is one of the few times. When Maryland played Florida State in 2010, I was really hyped for that game because there's a huge crowd. I don't think that, and I was thinking about it this um, this week, like, thinking about this game and thinking about the crowd that's supposed to be there. I don't really have that many memories of Maryland football having big crowds. So this game just... I mean, we missed the Ohio State game when they opened up the Big Ten. That's one of the few Maryland football games we missed. And now it's almost like a dream scenario, honestly. It's supposed to be a sold-out crowd against a team that I've always wanted to see Maryland play uh, when they weren't on their, what, fifth quarterback on Thanksgiving Day weekend. Uh, I'm really excited, and I think that Maryland's going to put on a show. I think that they're ready to go. They're ready to honor uh, Ralph Friedgen and Torrey Smith, two great Terps out of the last, uh, I guess, in the 2000s. And I'm just hyped up to see it, honestly. I'm ready to go. Like, I'm ready to punch somebody. Oh, that's a good a glowing review, as I think we're going to get for this one. I'm excited, too. I'm thrilled because North Dakota State is also off this weekend, so this might be my first Saturday open since I got back up here to Fargo. I'm not sure what we're going to do with it, but I'm going to do something with it. Um, as far as what Maryland should do, I would say... Quick pass is probably going to be a way to go today. I would definitely attempt to run the ball. See if you can nullify Penn State's pass rush a little bit with runs up the middle. I think that the defense is going to have to play well. We'll see how well it actually goes with them because I'm still a little bit concerned with our pass rush and with our deep pass coverage. But you got to start. If you want to be a good team, you got to control the pace of the game. Use the run. Don't be afraid to throw the ball as well keep the playbook open, and just do not fall out of the game early. That's my biggest concern, is Penn State's going to come in there yep. and just suck the life out of the stadium. Yep. Stay in the game, and if we get to the fourth quarter and we're still with the one score, then let's do it, but don't get blown out, please. Hey, I think we got to copy that model from the Ohio State game last year. Start fast, make plays. I take the ball first, if I'm uh, Mike Oxley in this game. Make a statement. Do us. We start fast, we win. We start like we did against Temple, we lose. 
I think they're going to start fast, and I honestly, I for some reason, think they're going to win this game. I know I say that a lot, but this game, I just have that feeling that it's time for Maryland football to, to wake up the world and really enter into this Mike Loxley era. If there is one thing that Mike Loxley conveys to this team in this game is that he hates Penn State, too. He's from that Maryland generation, just like Wayne and Bruce, that absolutely despises Penn State. If you go back in the time machine a little bit uh, to that game in Baltimore, Maryland came out with a different kind of vengeance in that game when Coach Loxley was the head coach. They lost that game by one point. It's time to bring that back, bring that like Maryland pride back into the locker room that Mike Loxley brings and show out because this team really doesn't get a lot of primetime opportunities, and this is one. I'm looking at Brian Cobbs. I'm looking at DJ Turner in this game. Those two guys got to make plays in the receiving game. They got to get some vertical action to Demas. For me, it's about the passing game. What can we do to really stretch that defense, make them pay on the deep ball? They want to bring up guys in the box to stop Anthony McFarland, Josh Jackson. You've got to make them pay deep. I got the Terps in this one. I said it would be low scoring. I'll stick with that. 27 to 21. Um, I'm go. I don't know how it's low scoring it actually is. I'm gonna say. Oh, gotta think about this for a little bit. Um, while I think about this, just looking ahead at the schedule a little bit. After the Penn State game, you play four straight very winnable games. You play Rutgers, Purdue, Indiana, and Minnesota. Which I I don't know. I was just looking ahead. I didn't realize we had such a. Schedule drop off after this game, so if you get if you win and somehow get ranked, you can hold it for a little bit if you keep playing well. Yeah, you got to if you get it, uh, Jordan. Let's hear what's your prediction. Terps, Penn State, finally another primetime game. Who takes it? I home? I gotta go with my gut on this, and I really don't want to, but just what I'm feeling in my core is Maryland loses twenty four twenty three. They win. They lose off a missed field goal. That's what I'm seeing. In my head right now. Jordan, you're playing a dangerous game. Do you remember the last game that Maryland lost by a field goal and the reactions from both Wayne and Bruce? No, actually, I don't. What was it? Maryland plays NC State at home. Uh, it was one of the years where the quarterbacks got hurt. Devin oh, Burns comes right. into the game, scores a bunch of touchdowns. He breaks his foot out for the season, never seen again. I have no idea what happened to him. Caleb Rowe then comes in the game. Leads Maryland down the field. I believe Caleb Rowe was the fourth-string quarterback going into that season. Leads the Terps all the way down the field, and I believe, was it, what was his name? I want to say it was Nathan Rentfro, but I I think that guy was a punter. Uh, He kicks a field goal off that I believe it hit the left, upright, and out. And I believe the quotes from after that game was, boy, I believe those press box windows don't open for a reason because Bruce is up there and just absolute despair from Wayne, and if they lose to Penn State like that, I believe that both of them will just walk out the game and will leave me to do the post-game show uh, by myself. Very possible. I do remember that game, and weirdly enough, and this is weird, I was thinking about Devin Burns, too, for like the first time in years earlier this week. What did happen to him? I really don't know. I assume because he played so well in that game, they ended up with some FCS team, but who knows. Um... Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know if that was the last game we lost off a missed field goal. I'm pretty sure that was the last game they lost on a missed field goal, and I believe it was in 2012. I think it was 2013. But I do remember what you're talking about. I do remember that game really was a bummer. Um, 
Yeah, if we lose in the fashion that I'm saying we're going to, I'll be as devastated as anybody else will be. Um, but it's just, it's just what I'm seeing. I was really trying to think around it, but it was just the only prediction I could really see. Here, I, I found why, the game. I have found the game. Maryland in 2012 loses to NC State 20-18. to Yeah, it sounds like us. Um, on the quarterback box score here, the Terps played four four players, attempted a pass. Uh, Perry Hills, 12 for 20. Caleb Rowe threw the ball for 50 yards and two passes. Devin Burns, 47 yards. Apparently, Stephon Diggs attempted a pass, so they must have been really desperate. Uh, and let's see, the game ends on... Oh, no, it was Brad Craddock. Brad Craddock missed the kick. Really? Yeah, Nathan Renfrew was the punter, so I had part of it right. Yeah, that was the last game that Maryland has lost on a field goal, I believe. And that dropped the Terps to 4-3, and three, and they did not win another game. Right, was this the Sean Petty year? Yeah, I think it was. All right, so while we're talking 2012 Terps, uh, let's swing back around. I think this game, whether they win or lose, should be something special for at least the first, I don't know, 10 minutes of the game. I think it'll be a really hyped-up atmosphere, great time to be a Terp fan if you can. Buy tickets so Penn State fans don't sell. Somebody, please step in and buy like those last six tickets on you on Turf so we can get a really true sellout. I'm sure somebody will. But hey, show up to the game, be loud, uh, wear black. Please don't don't wear white, even if you're a Maryland fan and it has Maryland logo on it. Do not wear white. And uh, yeah, let's go out there and show the world what we got. Yeah, this was the game that we've been highlighting on the schedule for months now. Yeah, they have built up as much as we hoped it would with us losing Temple and all. But it's still here. The excitement still can be bubbling. And, if yeah, if you want to be a big-time program and win big-time games, this, you got to start with this one, in my opinion. So go Terps. They really have a few games and want to win as much as this one. Let's let's do something here. We have the opportunity with the spotlight. We're the only really big game on Friday. Yeah. At least Friday during our time slot. So show out, go Terps, and make the world staying in this Friday night. Yes, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. One more thing that I wanted to say. This is a team and a program that we don't like them and they don't like us. In football, we've had a few of those games. Penn State really does not like Maryland. Regardless if they say not a rival or not, that handshake thing... And the fans from, like, the Wayback Machine, they don't like Maryland. Like, let's be straight out with it. They might say that we're not our rival and we don't really play them like a rival, other than those two games, the one in Baltimore and the one in Happy Valley that Maryland won. But they don't like us. Regardless of what they say, you can look at their boards and you can see that Penn State does not like Maryland. Few times do you get that opportunity in Maryland football to play a team like this. So show out, do what we do, and as always... We would like to thank our sponsors on the Young Turfs podcast, Viner Four Gates in Rockville. For all of your business IT needs, you can reach Viner Four Gates at 301-251-2900 and Allied Party Rentals. For all of your party rental needs, you can visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. Go Turfs, beat Penn State. We might be back on Friday with a pregame show, so make sure to check back then. As always, make sure to like this podcast, rate it, review it. Helps us out, helps us get more listeners. And follow us on Twitter at YoungTerp1. That's at YoungTerp1. And as always, thanks for listening. Go Terps. Beat Penn.